Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. Be able to follow me on Twitter. And it's Monday. So you know what we do on Mondays. It's Mondays with McCool, James McCool, the co author with me on the theory of daily fantasy sports. It's a 15 hour audio DFS masterclass you can pick up at theoryofdfs.com. We're back after the all-star break, uh, back, back into the saddle once again. Give me those thumbs ups on your way in the door. Hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell to know when we go live. Been, been gone for what, a week, week and a half? It was the all-star break. And then and then the NBA comes back and, uh, and I go down to Tennessee and uh, James, so you've recently moved to Tennessee. And I, I decided to like, okay, I'm going to take a trip down to Nashville. And I come back and I, and I, and I got a present with me. And I got COVID with me. Uh, so, uh, so, so good luck. Good luck down there. Right. I managed, I managed to go to Washington, D.C. No COVID. Didn't get anything. Right. I've, I've, gone, I've gone out before. No, no problem. You go down to Tennessee, all bets are off. You, you, you hang out with enough people. There's no mask mandate. There's no nothing. So, uh, so, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm recovering. I'm, I, I, it wasn't bad or anything like that. Obviously, I'm here, but, uh, but uh, my, my, my voice is not, a, is not as great as, as you didn't get the normal, you know, good morning. No, I'm, I'm not yet, not at full strength. But uh, the, the NBA All Star break is over. Baseball probably is, isn't happening. Uh, it doesn't look like. So, so what did, what did you do over the the NBA All Star break? You you were t- tweaking tweaking your models? Uh, no, absolutely not. No, I so as a content creator, I have to take as much downtime as possible during All Star break. So, uh, I actually had a bug in the NBA optimizer for the site. Uh, it like it wasn't producing cash lineups for whatever reason. I just didn't want to threw an error, right? So, uh. That happened the day before we went into the all-star break and somebody asked and they're like, Hey, I'm new to the side. I want to try out the optimizer, but I'm getting a bug. Uh, have you like, are you going to fix it today? And this was, I don't know, it's like three days before the all-star breaks over. And I was like, frankly, man, no, I'm not, <laughs> I mean, I'll fix it. The what, day what was before. Wrong? I mean, I, I mean, what, what could possibly be wrong? I mean, isn't it just solving for just knapsack yeah. problem? Just, like the knapsack problem is, is not the issue. It was producing a lineup. The problem was that it like the, the logic in putting together the lineup because of MPE gets a little bit hairy sometimes. Um, so it, it was probably because there was a PGSF or something like that, um, that, that was in the CSV and it just kind of screwed with it. And it was thrown an error because it couldn't put together the lineup in the way that it wanted to. So it was a really, really easy fix. I mean, we're talking like seven minutes of back testing and like rewriting one piece of code. But because it was the all-star break, I was not touching it. I was not doing that. I took a lot of time to play video games and lay around with the kid and um, put together the house some more and and eat pizza because that's that's what you should do during the all-star breaks. You should do basically anything that uh, is not working on NBA because then you have to come back. And uh, after the all-star break, NBA is in full NBA mode. And um, we're getting players that are playing ridiculous minutes and doing dumb stuff and back-to-backs don't matter. We have uh, the Lakers still existing and being bad. So it's just, 
you know, you, you got to take the all-star break and, and get your mental right. Yeah, there wasn't like esports or anything? Well, of course there's esports. I mean, I, I ran. So you, yeah, I mean, you I, don't, you don't I stay away from the esports. Just no. like I didn't stay away from MMA. Right, right. On Saturday, right. I mean, you still you still have to take care of like the other stuff, but you you don't touch NBA during during a, the NBA All Star break. You never touch NBA because like it's such a grind through the entire year that if you are gifted time away from your models, you just got to take it and, and run with it. So now, so now heading into uh, the the second half of the NBA season, I mean, we're gonna see some teams. We're gonna see, we're gonna the, the I think the the uh, kind of the the discrepancy between the types of teams is gonna get wider and wider. Mm-hmm. The teams that are either you know fighting for for playoff spots and teams that don't want playoff spots. They it's it it, it obviously coming from from following soccer like in Europe with. Uh, <laughs> promotion and relegation uh it's it's weird it's always weird in in the nba where a team that is that is like four games outside of a playoff spot may feel like it's much better to to come in last mm-hmm. than to get the eighth seed in the playoffs from a long-term perspective so i'm assuming <coughs> moving forward we're going to see some teams that are going to play their their kind of star players like super minutes, and then other teams where you know every other day there's going to be you know a player that sits or half the team that sits or people on minutes restrictions. Uh, do you think do you think moving forward that that the the minutes projections on certain teams are going to be a little bit more fragile than others? Yeah, I mean we're going to see teams like. I'm looking at the standings right now and the Eastern conference, I think that like the Pistons, obviously 15 and 46, they're, they're the second worst team in the league in the Eastern conference. They have nothing to play for. Right. So, you know, their prized possession player is Kate Cunningham. I think we probably see a lot less of Kate Cunningham extended minutes. If there's blowouts, they're not going to risk him in games. Um, the Pacers like, they kind of did that fire sale at the end or towards the, the end of the season and, and kicked out a whole bunch of guys and grabbed Halliburton. I think we probably end up seeing less Halliburton and less of like those key players moving forward and more of like the backup guys that they just want to get a look at. And we see it in multiple different leagues, right? Like we see it in NBA, we see it in NFL for sure, where they're going to kind of like, if a team is bad, a lot of the time they'll see what they've got in like their wide receiver three or wide receiver four or whatever. And they'll, they'll put those guys out there, especially if they have a really, really good piece that they don't want injured. Um, we're we're going to see a lot of that on, on the other side of that spectrum teams like the Hornets and the Hawks that are right outside of the playoff picture right now that, that need to push to get into the playoffs and, and try to secure that for sure. We're going to see a lot more of their stars, getting more minutes down the stretch and trying to secure games that are close. They're going to be less willing to just kind of throw in the towel if they have a big deficit in the third or something like that. But um, definitely got to, got to pay attention to that kind of thing. And, and it's even worse, I think now than it used to be, you know, three, four years ago, we wouldn't see teams tank as hard as they did. We wouldn't see teams just completely, shut down players and and give them no reason to play and give them no reason to do anything 
Um, now we, we really do see teams just say, oh, well, this guy's just going to rest or like injury management. They're going to rule out half the team and just play their, play their ancillary pieces and, and their bench guys. So it's, uh, it's getting into that season. If you, and, and when I say that season, I mean, if you've been playing cash games at all, just stop. It's just stop, just stop playing cash games. I'll do that in FanDuel. I, 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 I still, I'll still. It's a bloodbath, man. And the, the end and of the, the season. Lowest, the low stakes are, I'll still play cash on FanDuel in the lowest. Well, because it's still, yeah, because you still have that edge in low stakes. But it's such, it's such a, a train wreck the end of the season, man. Like, I, I, I remember so many instances of like this player is definitely going to play. I mean, we, we saw it, what, two days ago with Fred Van Vliet and the coach was like, Oh yeah, it's really. Yeah, what was up with that? I, I did not play. All I, all I know is, is because I follow the DFS people on Twitter, obviously. And wasn't like, I saw that Fred Van nurse said Fred Van Vliet unlikely to play just unlikely, just like, okay, he's unlikely to play. And then the starting lineup came out and Fred Van Vliet's in the starting lineup. It's stupid. It's stu- it's it's stupid. It, like the the leagues asking for integrity integrity fees, and then coaches pulling stuff like that. It's a joke. You don't deserve integrity fees for doing that. Because like from a betting standpoint, the instant that you see that Fred VanVleet is out, you go and you go to the sports book and you just take the overs on Gary Trent Jr.'s points props. Like you you just go do that. Or you take the over on Pascal Siakam's assist props. You, you just go do that. And then it's like, oh, nope, never mind for Van Vliet starting. And it's like, okay, well, those overs are likely dead now outside of like an unlikely outcome because he's playing. So you, you can't do that and ask for integrity feeds. I'm looking at these standings and I don't, I don't look at the standings often at all because to me, they, they don't matter to DFS. And it's just, it's odd for me to see the Cavaliers having a better record than the Celtics. The, uh, the Celtics have been one of the best teams in the league in the last like month or something like that. But then they lost to the Pistons and then they almost lost to the Pistons. And then they got ran out of the gym last night by who was it that just beat the, the, the Pacers just beat the tires off the Celtics last night. And I, I, I think that the Celtics are one of the worst coach teams in the league by a long shot. Why do you say that? Because they, they, they have no discipline in the second half of games, no discipline. They, they are a team that I, I think they are the team that has blown the most halftime leads in the league over the last couple of years. And like, I don't have, I, I have not looked at the stats on that, but I would be willing to place money that they have blown more halftime leads than any other team in the league. They just, you can never feel confident in them with a lead ever. You can never feel confident in them playing well. And they lose to teams like the Pacers who I mentioned is a team that's going to be tanking. They lost to the Pistons who are 15 and 46. And you want to tell me there's a title contender? Like, dude, the Celtics, they, they're a terribly coached team. They, they just have no tenacity. They have no discipline at all. They can't finish games. And then the Western Conference, if you told me before the season that the Grizzlies would be 42 and 20, third place in the West, and the Lakers would be out of the playoff picture, I think you would be nuts. Yeah, well, it, it, does it just come down to the fact that Russell Westbrook doesn't actually contribute anything to anything anymore? No, it comes down to the fact that they had the worst offseason they possibly could have had. I mean, like a joke of, of an offseason. Everybody knew that wasn't going to work. Everybody outside of apparently the team knew that Russell Westbrook, AD, and LeBron was not going to work. There's zero spacing on that team. 
and, and they could have had for the price that they paid for Russell Westbrook, they could have had like Buddy Heald and Seth Curry and and been a playoff contender. But they they put together like the worst possible team they could have. It's just a whole bunch of old dudes. It's a 2015 All-Star team. And but like is this what LeBron normally does though? Mm, LeBron, like, I mean, I'm like I said, I'm not I'm not I I don't I don't follow, follow basketball, especially, you know, past, you know, three or four years. Uh, yeah. Uh, but it always seems like LeBron, it's like, it's the team is LeBron plus whoever LeBron feels like he's, he's friendly with. Yeah. Yeah. And that has worked like, in the past. Like, well, but no, like out, like it, it feels like, like he builds teams where he would be much better off with, with, outside shooters just like that know their roles rather than just like him one other star and then just three schmucks on the court yeah well that, that's and that has worked in the past because he's been friends with all the all-stars right so like this team built in 2015 would have been the nuts but this team built in 2021 is this is so bad but i guess that that kind of speaks to like the aging artifact of lebron's like build path right where he has been like, oh yeah, look, we're all friends. I'm gonna get Carmelo Anthony and Rahan Rondo and, and AD, and we're gonna we're gonna run it like we did in 2015. And like that might have worked in 2017 and 2018, but not in 2021. So that's it, it's just so bad. And you look at them and they just can't do anything right. They lost that game so bad last night to the Pelicans, who I mean, the Pelicans are 25 and 36, the Lakers are 27 and 33. I guess you can say the Pelicans are a worse team, but I don't think they actually are. But then we also have the Nets and like the Nets this year, like number they got they got rid of Harden, right? That Durant should be coming back at some point. Kyrie may play some game. I mean, like, like all three of them like barely ever played together the entire season. They were supposed to be like the all-star team. And now Ben Simmons, who knows when he's gonna play. Yeah, that situation's but, weird. But with all of them back. You would have, I would have to think that Ben Simmons fits better with Durant and Irving than Harden did. Yep. And how do you see Harden and B playing together? Uh, well, one, the Nets are a better team with everybody healthy than the Sixers are, for sure. Because Ben Simmons is super underrated since people want to look at him as a um, – like people want to look at him as some offensive force, but that's not really what he is. What he is is he's a bigger, better Draymond, like at his peak. That's that's what he wants to be. He just wants to be a really, really good defender who can defend every single position and be a really good ball handler and ball distributor. He doesn't actually want to score points. The ideal stat line averages for Ben Simmons are something like 14, 9, and 15 or something like that. Right. Like he, I try, I try, I, I, to me, I'd be like a Draymond Green type of stat line where yeah. a lot of times he'll have eight points, 11 assists, and 12 rebounds. Like the, like the kind of close four to four man's triple-double. Yeah, that's that's ideally what he needs to be. So they were just, they were using him wrong in, in Philly for sure. Um, I think that he fits, I agree, significantly better with Durant and Irving and Seth Curry and like that those, go, those guys. The, the Nets are a better team. The Nets should be championship favorites if everyone's healthy that's the problem is is we don't know now what's happening with ben simmons the assumption was that he was going to play when he got there and now he has a back issue so um the sixers with, Har- with harden in, in 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 philadelphia now like i've always viewed harden 
Like this is like I said, coming from me, I, I'm not a basketball expert, but it seems like Harden works much better with with very one dimensional centers, mm-hmm. like the the pick and roll type of stuff that that Harden would do. Uh, doesn't that take is that that isn't truthfully that isn't I mean no, why would not- you use Embiid in that role like? Joel Embiid isn't isn't Clint Capella, right? Like Joel Embiid is cl- more closer to uh, Nikola Jokic mm-hmm. than he is to <coughs> to Andre Drummond. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Don't you think that that Harden on <coughs> on the Sixers actually, from a DFS perspective, even just like lowers the production that Embiid could have because. Yeah. Harden's gonna keep the ball. The shot clock's gonna get down, and what is what is Embiid gonna do other than clear out? Or I mean, like, like it, it feels like Harden and Embiid don't go together. I I think that uh, like on when they're sharing the floor, I think that there's definitely gonna be those issues. But I think they probably stagger them a lot. Like if they're smart, and I'm not saying that Doc Rivers is smart. I think he's a moron. But like if they're smart, um, they'll they'll stagger Embiid and and um, Harden quite a bit and keep Maxi kind of like as the glue between them because Maxi is Maxi's good. Like Maxi is able to create for himself and he can make his own shot and he can distribute. So I think that Maxi is kind of like the important piece between those two. But Harden and Embiid, they can coexist in spurts. And I think where the team gets better is that now when Embiid is not on the floor, Harden can be on the floor and be that that leader and be that superstar because they never really had. Like Tobias Harris is good, but he's a secondary piece. Tobias Harris would be the perfect addition to the Lakers, by the way. Just switch Russell Westbrook and Tobias Harris, and the Lakers are a significantly better team. But uh, I, I think it works just because it helps alleviate some of the, the pressure of the bench to produce without a beat on the floor. I think it just makes them a more well-rounded team. From DFS perspective, Embiid's ceiling is certainly lower now, and Harden's ceiling is probably about the same. But... uh yeah, it, 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 it's going to remove the burden from Embiid a lot. Going through the YouTube chat. Thanks for the well wishes. Yeah, that's Blender, hope you're feeling better, bud. I'm still, you know, I, I, that the, the downside or up, maybe, maybe, maybe the upside to a lot of people is that, uh, and still, re- still recovering from COVID, I can't talk for like seven minutes straight. Uh, I, I, st- I have to work back to that level. So that could be a plus to some people, right? It's like, oh, wow, actually letting other people talk more. Wow. Uh, but we got a we got a slate tonight. Uh, Fred Van Vliet is questionable. <laughs> uh, we got some new players on some new teams. Uh, we have like, when it comes to these, are you, I mean, maybe not at this point of the season, but are you factoring in, like, when I take a look at a, a, a game like the Pacers and the Magic, for instance, like, if these teams are tanking, aren't these aren't those the games that we should be more cognizant of minutes fluctuations? Like, like for instance, like, I'm thinking in terms of, we take a look at the standings now, right? We take a look at the Eastern Conference. If it's the Heat versus the Magic, like, to me, like the Magic don't have to worry as much about like, like most likely they're going to lose to the Heat. No matter what lineup they put out there. Uh, 
But it, well, it's like Pacers magic. Aren't those when when you have bad team versus bad team? Technically, both teams want to lose. So aren't those the games bad versus bad? It, it, it's 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 so screwed up our sports leagues in in the United States. The way that you have to put it that that if it's if two bad teams are facing each other, you almost expect the star the better players to not play more because they want to lose mm-hmm. and that they, they'd rather they want to lose against the other they want the other bad team to win like like what if the heat and the magic are playing it's like if the heat lose that doesn't affect the bottom place team because the heat aren't going to get the number one pick they ain't mm-hmm. going to come in last place but if the magic play the pistons pacers the knicks even you look at the western conference the rockets the thunder like the thunder that i mean sga is back but how much is he going to play? Like maybe he'll play certain games. <clears throat> so you are are you more concerned? Like, like I'm I'm not someone that that goes and cares that much about the standings. But from a minute's fluctuation, shouldn't you shouldn't you be more concerned about the fragility of projections when it's when it's even if no one's out. That in, with two bad teams playing, that they're more likely to let their second unit run and be like, we're going to give, you know, run 12 man rotation, you know, give their, give their, you know, if, uh, if, uh, you know, the Pacers are up by eight, like Halliburton just doesn't check in mm-hmm. for, his, for his second shift until like two minutes left to go in the, in the, in the first half, because it's like, well, they would prefer to lose. So give them the best chance of losing by not playing their best players the most and still not, you know, not looking like tanking. And the other thing, which uh, I think is more prevalent is that it's less likely to happen with the home team. I've been trying to find these, these little things where like in the past where people are like, I don't know if Giannis is going to sit. Like we have all those situations where a star player for one of the good teams, like let's say Miami, like Miami's or, or or Chicago, maybe DeRozan sits, maybe Butler sits. It's much more likely to happen on a as a road game than a home game, only because at home you have people that have paid tickets to see these people, mm-hmm. right? Like so, so the road team doesn't feel as 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 you know, it's like ethical. Like if you if you buy a ticket to you know the the the, the Bulls the, the Bucks Pacers game in Indiana, like like so if Giannis doesn't play Giannis doesn't play. But if you're in Milwaukee, like you kind of don't want to piss off your own home fans. That is like I didn't pay to see a home game with you know Mama Shvili or whatever his name is or whoever the the backups are. So in those situations. <clears throat> a lot of times it's very, it's much easier to predict like those, like those types of uh, uh, who's going to sit, who's going to play. Mm-hmm. Someone's supposedly on a minutes limit, but maybe not that. I know I haven't tested that, that out, but doesn't it make intuitive sense that the home team is more likely to, to run out their starters, no matter what, and kind of semi try to win the game. Well, at full strength, only because 
Well, they got, you know, 12,000 people there that paid a ticket that don't want to see their team lose by 40. Yeah, I mean, answering both things, like, yeah, home teams are much more, uh, they, they have much more incentive to actually put out their starters and put out a good product because they want to continue to sell tickets. They want their season ticket holders to be happy. They want their fans to be happy, stuff like that, especially teams that have a good fan presence, something like the Clippers or something like, uh, I don't know, Miami or something like that, that like they, they want their, their fans to be happy because they're, they're, you know, they're still playing at home. They want to be able to do that stuff. Um, road teams, I, I think that you could probably say have less incentive, but I, I also wouldn't use that as a way of like making any determinations between players on one V ones, maybe like a small lean, but nothing that, that would be significant. Um, I, I would say that there is probably some sort of significant interest in focusing away from bad teams for DFS uh, in like these last like 15 games or whatever of the season, like the Pacers versus the magic tonight. N- neither one of these teams have anything to play for at all. Like the magic I, I won, I would be, I'm absolutely just like blown away if the magic win this game because the magic right now in the Eastern conference, they are the worst team. Like they, they would have the the top pick in the East, but they're 14 and 47. The Pistons are 15 and 46. Um, And like the Pistons do not want to be winning a whole lot of games here. The magic do not want to be winning a whole lot of games here. So that's going to be a tank off, right? Where the, the Magic don't want to be winning games. So right now, the Magic are actually favored over in Indi- over the Pacers, and I'm surprised by that because they have no incentive to win these games. They have absolutely no incentive to win these games. Um, neither do, do the Pacers, but the Pacers are, are 21 and 41. I, it's it's pretty unlikely that they are able to out-tank either of the Pistons or the Magic. Like They, they have a six-game lead over both of them. I, I don't think they're going to catch them in the bottom of the standings. So it's much more likely that the magic are able to throw this game. And overall, I think bad teams that where I would really, really be wary of it is if it's a bad team facing a good team, right? Like if the magic ever face, if it's in conference and the magic are facing like the bucks or the Celtics or something uh, that like, if that game even has a sniff of a blowout, the magic are not going to put out their starters in the second half or like for the last like 10 minutes, the last 15 minutes of the game, because they don't care. It doesn't matter. And then the the winning team is not going to put out their starters because they have to try to win the war of attrition going into the playoffs. So those are times when I do really worry about it this late in the season. Um, th- these teams that are super tanking, uh, the, the Magic, the Pistons specifically, and the Rockets and the Thunder, right? Like those four teams, I'd be avoiding like the plague moving out through the rest of the season because guys like Shai Gilligas Alexander, we have seen that Presti is just like the tank master. I, they, they've amassed every single pick for the next 13 drafts in a row. They have everyone's first round pick. And Shai Gilligas Alexander continues to like miss time with some phantom foot injury. Like he is the master tanker. If he doesn't want to win a game, they're not going to. And the best way to not win a game is to not play Shai Gilligas Alexander. And when you look at ownership right now, SGA is projected to be the second highest owned player on the slate. Obviously it's what 1130 AM Eastern. So like that might not stick, but if SGA is going to be chalk tonight, that's a perfect spot to like fade because I I don't want to play SGA in a meaningless game against Sacramento where 
OKC does not want to be winning games. The easiest way for them to lose is to not play SGA full minutes. So caring about those kinds of things with teams that are really, really in the tankathon on on the bottoms of the standings, I think that really does matter, and I think that you do have to pay attention to that. Well, to me, it's a fragility standpoint. It's not. It's not a like if SGA goes out and plays thirty eight minutes tonight. I mean, he's gonna. He's probably gonna score well. I mean, sure. whatever. Yeah. I'm just like we currently have SGA tonight for thirty four minutes. But that's like a median number. But I wouldn't be shocked if he played 38, and I wouldn't be shocked if he just played 30, right? I, I wouldn't be shocked if he played 25. I, no, I wouldn't even be shocked for, right? Like, at this point, I wouldn't be shocked for any, I mean, right. literally any. I mean, the main reason is, like, Giddy's out and Dort's out, but mm-hmm. they could play Theo Maladon, Aaron Wiggins, Trey Mann. Yeah. They, I mean, a lot of times what happens in these scenarios is that the minutes just get spread out. Like we take a look at that Orlando team and it's like, do you really think they're going to push Wendell Carter Jr. past 32 minutes? Mm-hmm. Cole Anthony past 30 minutes? There's no need to. Like, yeah, I would love to play Cole Anthony if he was playing 38 minutes, but he most likely, early in their season he did, but now they're kind of just spreading everyone around. To me, that, <clears throat> to me that's the fear. That where the median projection is, is correct just that the range of outcomes is going to be much wider. But on a team like Toronto, like Chicago, the guys, you know, the Heat, like I have no problem playing like like those, the 70s, any, anyone towards the top half of the standings. Like dudes, like Pascal Siakam is going to play 40 minutes. Yeah, every game. I mean, right. Like there's, there's, there's no question about that. The problems come into the guys like Malcolm Brogdon. Right? Do they need to play him? Right? Because he's gonna he's gonna project very well at fifty eight hundred. And it's like, yeah, his median minutes is thirty, but if he only played twenty four today, I'm not I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. And if he played thirty six, I'm not surprised either. So in these yeah. <clears throat> in these types of situations, <clears throat> I'm much more likely, like you said, the more fragile the projections are the more likely I'm going to go away from where people seem to be more confident because I think the confidence level should be going down further. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. And, and I'll also add in um, old guys, be wary of old guys, especially this year. Like we have so many old guys on these like single season and 10 day contracts and like temporary contracts and stuff like that. Um, like just looking at, at the RG projection state, James Johnson projects is a good value. Like James Johnson's old man. Um, and, and Brooklyn is not really a very good team. They're up against Toronto and like that, that looks like it might be a blowout spot. And, and I understand that these are two teams that are like going for, for playoff spots and, and they need to worry about the things like the Nets are not a shoe in the Raptors are not a shoe in. they're both 32 they both have 32 wins. They're both sitting at seventh and eighth in the conference. And like, they got the Hornets and the Hawks breathing down their neck here. Um, but somebody like James Johnson, like he's old, and and if he doesn't it's have a stamina, or if Toronto is blowing him out, yeah, yeah, he has a he has a neck power. tattoo. He's so rough. Um, gives him <laughs> yeah, pe- people in the hardcore scene will tell you that. Um, it's yeah, it's just just be wary of like old guys. James Johnson maybe wasn't the best example, um, but just be wary of old guys. Like Lamarcus Aldridge. 
Yeah, yeah. Like well, I mean, we're, just, we're basically naming Nets players. <laughs> just, just be wary. Right. Right. We're naming Patty Mills, Bruce Brown, Lamarcus Aldridge, Blake Griffin. Be wary of the Nets and the Lakers, who are just filled with old dudes. Right. Right. No, don't don't play Avery Bradley. No. God, the Lakers are so old. Do they have a single young person? Tht. Right. Right. Who do they have on their roster? I mean, their roster, Lakers roster. Right? Because they, okay. Let's see. Oh, you're right. Leak Monk really... and Callum Horton Tucker. Are those you kidding? Are those Is this two. really their roster? Okay, hold on. They got Malik Monk, right? No. Okay, so let's go, like, age-wise. Can we sort by age? We, we can sort by age. Okay, we got LeBron at 37. We got Carmelo at 37. Dwight Howard, 36. Ariza, 36. Ellington, 34. Westbrook, 33. DeAndre Jordan's only 33. Seems like he should be 40. Yeah. Uh, Kent Bazemore's 32. Avery Bradley's 31. Then we got Davis at 28. Then he got Kendrick Nunn at 26. So basically, Nunn, Johnson, Monk. Reeves, Mason Jones, Taylor Horton Tucker, and Seco Domboya. So, like, they're they're basically only playing old people because Kendrick Nunn isn't playing. Malik Monk and Tom Horton Tucker are part of the rotation, but like Tom Horton Tucker barely plays at all. Malik Monk is the only young person who's actually playing for this team. Stanley Isn't John- I, thought, I thought Stanley Johnson was older. I thought he, he seems like he should be older. I also thought he was older. I thought he was at least in his 30s. I'm surprised right. by that. But it isn't, shouldn't that just be a red flag for any organization where you have like a million old dudes and one person under the age of 25 playing basketball for you? Should, shouldn't that just be like a huge red flag that you're, you're just screwed for the future? Let's take a look at the Nets roster. I mean, the Nets, I know, have some some young guys. Whether or not they play is a different story. Right. So, yeah, I mean, they do have, yeah, Aldridge at 36 and Johnson at 35, Drogic at 35, Mills, Durant, Blake Griffin, 32, Seth Curry, 31, Joe Harris, who's not in, Drummond's 28. But, I mean, they got Sharp and Thomas and Edwards, Claxton, Duke Jr., Bruce Brown's only 25. I, I, I would have thought he was 32 years old. Drummond is only 28? Yeah, Drummond's only 28. Dude, Drummond's been in the league since 1982. There's no way he's only 28. That's a lie. That's like that's like saying Albert Pujols is only 42. Like, that's a lie. You would think LaMarcus Aldridge, you look at LaMarcus Aldridge and Andre Drummond and go, they, they can't be that far apart in age. No. Eight <laughs> years apart. No, I, I thought that they were the same age. Or like maybe Aldridge was like two years older. Right. That's that's legitimately surprising. Andre Drummond has been playing since the Bill Russell era. And I, I will not hear otherwise. No, he's not that, he's not that old. That's incredible. I thought he was the same age as Blake Griffin. Well, Blake Griffin isn't even all that old. 32 isn't that old. Well, it's that old for Blake Griffin. Well, for Blake, Blake Griffin, Griffin can't do anything anymore. 
Right. If someone showed you this, if someone showed you this this roster for the Nets six years ago, you'd think how did the how how did the Nets not win four championships? Yep. There's a lot of that in the league now, though. I mean, the par- the parody and like the the kind of clumping of all stars. I think it, it's pretty significant now. Bill Thomas in the chat says Drummond looks and moves like he's 48. He, yes, he he has been playing in this league since 1982. He has absolutely. How old is Boogie Cousins? What like I, I, I Boogie Cousins is 31. I was going to guess 30. So 31 makes sense. Sure, that's that's fine. Right. But st- it does not feel like DeMarcus Cousins is three years older than Andre Drummond. That right. I would think Drummond right. is three years older than DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah, that does not feel right. I don't believe that. Somebody's lying about Andre Drummond's age. I'm, hold on. I'm going to go to Twitter. I'm going to put a poll and say, who's the youngest player of this group? Nobody in without nobody without in, looking without looking up. Yeah, without looking. Nobody in this chat is allowed to go vote. So, so what, what are you what are you putting up? I'm assuming you're gonna put up Boogie, Blake, and Drummond. Right? So is who's that the, is that is that a good three? We're we're gonna put Demarcus Cousin. <laughs> gonna put Andre Drummond. Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin. And Stanley Johnson. How old is Stanley Johnson? No, no. Well, you want uh, it, well, Stanley Johnson is twenty-five. He doesn't fit in that group. No, he doesn't. You're right. Uh, okay. Yeah. The yeah. whole point is to say who's the youngest and people to get that it's not that get Drummond wrong. And, and Lamarcus Aldridge. No. Well, everyone knows he's old. Who who's some, how about Serge Ibaka? What's Serge Ibaka? Oh, Serge Ibaka is old as hell. He's like thirty-five. No, Serge Ibaka is only 32 years old. Shut the... <laughs> so, put, so put you put him in the thing. That, there, there you go, right in that range. All right. Out of those four, who do you think is the youngest? DeMarcus Cousins, Andre Drummond, Blake Griffin, Serge Ibaka. Right. If, if I were to see this just randomly going along, I would say DeMarcus Cousins. Right, that's, what, that's what I would have said also. And I'm, 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 I'll even vote DeMarcus Cousins. Well, I'm the only one that, that did vote. I'm blown away by this news wonder drummond. I'm I'm insulted almost because he's younger than I am. They're all younger than us. Well, they're younger than me. Yeah, they're younger than you. I'm I'm still young. I'm still a spring chicken over here. Right. Alan Burns in the chat says say AD. No, but I we know Anthony Davis is not that old. I mean he's 31, but cool. I'm saying. Anthony Davis doesn't come across as, oh my God, when is this guy going to retire? Type right. Yeah. 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 No, like if you, if you're a basketball fan and you see Anthony Davis's name, like you think that he's still in his prime. Right. But if you see Andre Drummond's name, you think he's got a year or two left and then he's out of the league because he can't play anymore. Cause he's been playing since like before the Lakers era. Hassan Whiteside's 32 years old. I would have thought, Hassan Whiteside is the younger. He's younger than Andre. Drummond. I would too. I think that Hassan Whiteside is a younger player than Andre Drummond. I, if you would have asked me before I even looked this up, how old Whiteside was, I would have said twenty-seven years old. I'd have said twenty-eight or twenty-nine. Right. Absolutely. No, he's thirty-two. Boy, what a waste of a career. <laughs> right. Right. 
he he was he is incredible when he cares. I've always said that uh, Hassan Whiteside, if he was in a position to care every single game, he would have been an absolutely dominant player in the league. Right. Because there were games where, like, if it was ever a revenge game for Hassan Whiteside, you played it. Because the dude cared. And, like, he was going to go out there and put in his all. But he just never cares. He's just never been in a position to care an entire season. To me, the, to me, the most the, the most uh, impressive thing, Jokic, 27 years old. Yeah, he's got five more years of being ridiculous. At least, right? Like, I, 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 I had controversial thoughts a couple of weeks ago, and it's not to me. It's not controversial. What was the controversial thought? The controversial thought is uh, currently, at the very current moment, uh, Jokic is the is the greatest center in NBA history. Oh yeah, no, absolutely, yeah, yeah, not even. I don't. It's not and it's close. not, and 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 it's literally not even close. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had to like I had to think for a second before I said not even close, but yeah, not even close. I and and people, I was I was the outlier. People thought I was the nuts. Who would even you could you could argue Shaq? Yeah, people were saying Shaq, uh, and I mean I I shot that, but no. <clears throat> the key thing is <clears throat> skill set for current basketball. Yeah, that's the bet. That's a better way of putting it. If you took whoever at their prime athletic ability and skill set and played basketball now, who would be the who would be the best center in the league? And it would be Jokic. Yeah, yeah. You took Will Chamberlain. Will Will Chamberlain uh, would be a, a third center on a team currently. With his game, yeah, because he couldn't just treat everybody as if they were a child, like he right, did. Right, but, that, but that's the reason why, like for his time period, Will Chamberlain, when you're when you're a foot taller than everyone else on the court, yeah. you're gonna put up those stats. It's the I, same I, thing as like the Babe Ruth argument. I like Babe Ruth for his time was hilarious, but uh, unfortunately, at his time. Uh, there were like grocery stockers who were being pitchers and the league hadn't expanded into actual talent pools yet. You so, put Babe Ruth, do you put 1919 Babe Ruth, 1925 Babe Ruth and have uh, two, uh, 2001 Pedro Martinez pitching to him. It's going to look like a joke. It's going to look like a joke. Who is like, okay, no, if you took, because, and this is the way that I always do it when it comes to baseball. So if you want to take, if you want to say, oh yeah, Babe Ruth's the greatest, look at all these things, look at all these numbers. If you took the worst pitcher in the league, the worst starting pitcher, like currently. in the entire league currently, right, and put them in the league in 1920, they would never give up a home run. No, they, they might give probably up, have 500 strikeouts. Yeah, yeah. They might give up a couple hits. They might give up a couple runs. Their ERA is going to be like 0.2. Right. And and we're talking like who who's the worst pitcher that I can think of off the top of my head? If you Jake put, Arietta. Yeah, if you put Jake Arietta, here, here's one. If you put James Shields from the last year of his career right. into the league in 1920, he would be the most insane athlete that has ever lived. Right. Ever. His, his numbers would be gaudy. So that's that's how I always think of it with with um Baseball, and you can do the same thing with basketball. Like, if you took Nikola Jokic now and put him in in Wilt Chamberlain's shoes, basketball wouldn't still be a sport because they right, wouldn't have stop to playing. 
Right. They, they just want to stop playing. They, they would have just said, this isn't fun. Nobody's doing anything except for this giant Serbian dude who can literally do whatever he wants. Right. Just stop playing the game. Right. Justin Sports in, in the chat is making the point that I was trying to make in, in, in Discord. Like he says, in the 90s, early 2000s, all the, all the skill set Shaq needed was backing down every single person to 32 and 14 per night and it worked. And that's the point that I kept on making with people is that the transitional game now and the, the how, how teams switch off defensively, like Shaq would be a liability. Like he would... Yeah. Shaq would still be a great center, but Shaq would be a, Shaq would be Hassan Whiteside. I think he'd be Clint Capella. Right. Well, that's what I'm. But I'm, you understand that yeah. type of <clears throat> that type of center. But it's how towards in, in his prime, like is Shaq going to be running and gunning up and down the? I mean, Shaq, Shaq, all those centers, and I. Hey, that's when I watch basketball. Hakeem Olajuwon, Patrick Ewing. Kareem, <clears throat> you know, Brad Darty, those types of centers, Rick Smiths. Like they 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 generated their value primarily because it was a half court court offense. It was slow, methodical, and physical. Now it's like, yeah, good luck. Good luck on a fast break every other play and have Shaq, who you who you number one, who you defending, and number two. Uh, where, how are you getting down the court to, for, for, you know, how are you backing down anyone? There's, there's all this open space. So the types of, the types of centers that work now, like I would, I would say the same thing with Joel Embiid. I think if you put Embiid in 1988, he destroys everyone. No, absolutely. I think if you took Andre Drummond and put him in 1988, Uh, he do. He's huge, and he's only like fourteen years old, apparently. Like, no, but but Andre Drummond's game it doesn't involve. He doesn't take shots outside. He's not the best passer. He's still no, but I, I think he would have been very, very good. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, okay, yeah. Andre Drummond would have been an all would have been an all star. Yeah, he would have been great. Right, especially because he's the youngest player to ever play the game. Right. By the way, in that poll, so far. DeMarcus Cousins is leading. Right. 41% of votes. DeMarcus I, I have, no, I haven't. No, no, in front, it's DeMarcus is uh, 38.2%. Drummond, 36. Blake Griffin, 10. Abaka, 14. Oh, now it's moving. Yeah. He got 76 votes. So Cousins is still at, at on top with 40. Because he's definitely the youngest player of that group. I, I don't even disagree with the results so far. I'm surprised at the people at 13% Abaka. Yeah, everybody. I, I, would, I would have totally thought Ibaka was 37 years old. Yeah, I thought that Ibaka has been in the league as long as Andre Drummond has. Both right. of them playing in the in 1991 playoffs. You know, like I'm I'm surprised. In the chat, Fresh Prince has, has a good one. Uh, Demonte Sabonis would be would crush. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I think that I I think Joel Embiid is probably. I understand people who say that Joel Embiid is the best pure center in the league. I, I understand why people say that. He is absolutely dominant. He does whatever he wants whenever he's on the court. Absolutely. Because Jokic isn't that type of – like. Right. To, right. to me, Jokic is a, is a type of player 
that has literally never existed in basketball history. Right. And that's why I said that I think I understand people say Embiid is the best pure center. I think that that's like it's an important point to make that they are different archetypes of players. Joel Embiid is about the best version of a pure center that you can find. Nikola Jokic is about the best version of a pure forward that you can find. I don't even really think that that Jokic is like a center. He's just a really, really <laughs> big forward. Um, but he's a big, he's a, play, he's a, he's a point forward. He's like. Yeah. He's like a bigger Luka. He's like a right. bigger Donkic. Right. And that's terrifying. Um, I think that, and I think that that's one of the things that people were so bummed about with, with Ben Simmons, people look at him and he is like, he's a big guard, like a really big guard. And he could, but that's the thing. He can defend anybody from one through five and people wanted him to be a really big guard that could also utilize his his size to score, but that was never his ceiling. That was never the path to his ceiling. But also the, the other pseudo controversial take, uh that that i have is that i uh barring an injury uh i think at the end of his career we will consider Giannis to be the greatest basketball player ever yep i i can see that yeah and, and i think and i think that if uh uh the the the, the closer he gets to uh to a, a 38 percent three-point shooting oh yeah percent if he could shoot if he could shoot it like 38 percent from the three-point line like, yeah, I'll just give it to him now. Yeah. He would average 40 a night. Right. I just, just purely. Um, I have a very controversial basketball take that is less controversial now because people think that it's fun to adapt it now. Okay. Two seasons ago, I was saying that if Michael Jordan was put into the league today, he would be DeMar DeRozan. No, no. I, I said he would be Jimmy Butler. I and I I think that and I got so much pushback on that and now people are like oh man Demar Derozan no he plays for the Bulls let's make the Michael Jordan comparison I'm like no 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 you're not allowed to do that now that he's having a great season I was saying it when he was back on the Raptors right. and he was a liability in the playoffs because he has no three game because his entire game is jumpers and elbow shots and that that is what Michael Jordan would have been in the league now. And I got made fun of for that. And now people say, oh, yeah, well, you know, here's the here's the comparison. I'm like, no, I, my point here is that Michael Jordan would have not been near as good in today's league. Well, the, the, the only counterpoint that I could concede is that if Michael Jordan existed at his prime now, he would put in the work in order to be sure. as good. But that's not but that's not the, the, the question that's being asked. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, that, yeah. it's the same reason of saying it's like, Ted Williams would be a batting champ because he would do the work that like, we would never know that, but all we could tell based on the competition that he was facing and everything like Ty Cobb, Ted Williams, like all these guys, like dude, Tony Gwynn and Wade Boggs and uh, uh, Ichiro are way better hitters because Ted Williams wasn't facing Randy Johnson. Right. He wasn't facing uh, uh, Clayton Kershaw and Pedro Martinez and Greg Maddox and Tom Glavin. Right. <clears throat> he was facing pitchers that uh, had had three pitches and and they were decent and like three decent pitches in yeah. comparison now, like if you if you go back to like uh like Kofa, even Kofax and that's not even that far cuz now we're talking about the 50s. 
Like, so Koufax threw heat. He threw 96. It's not like, I mean, it's not like he was throwing 100. Right. And his changeup was probably 86. Pedro Martinez throws 99 and 82 for his for his fastball changeup split. Like, that's just unbeatable. Yeah. Type of split. So it's like, you go back, you go back in time, and it's like, yeah, for that era, <clears throat> that's fine. But just like you said with Michael Jordan, like t- just I I know people say he played against plumbers, but go <laughs> back, go back, go back to that 80, 86, 87, and see who was playing basketball then and see the training regiments of of these players. And you go back and it's like most you it it it's it was it was only 30 years ago. But I would say that 90%, I would say 90% of the players in the NBA wouldn't even make a team now. No, absolutely not. And you can make that same, it, it's somebody said the other day on Twitter, they're like, oh, well, who would you take the the 2019 Chiefs or the, the Bears defense from like when the Bears were good or whatever? I'd take the um, Chiefs. <laughs> from a physical level that the 85 Bears defense, the 85 Bears defense compared so now they'd look at the offensive line and go, oh, how, how did these guys get so big? <laughs> there was one player on the Bears over 300 pounds. One player right. on the 85 Bears. There are 11 on the Chiefs in 2020. Like the, the physical difference, and I understand that now we're talking about a very physical sport where like right. that matters a lot more, but the physical difference between athletes now and athletes in 85, like if, if you took who's just like, if you took Derrick Henry and put him on a team in 1985, he, he would destroy the league, (laughs) the league that he would run for 3,500 yards. It would look like a high school game. It it would just be silly. I, I, I hope one day that they invent teleportation and they can, or they, they invent time travel and they can do something like this because I cannot imagine the havoc that would be wrecked on the 85 bears by Derrick Henry. Because say, but this happens in every sport. I mean, it does. Yeah. I think why the era conversations that the era conversations are so hard to have. It's so hard right. to say like the LeBron versus Michael Jordan thing. It's so hard to have that in earnest. And you can't like, you have to try to look at era adjusted stats and it's so hard to do because if you took Michael Jordan and put him in the league now, he would not be near as good as LeBron in the league. Then. And that's, that is going to be always every era gets better. Which is cool. That's a cool thing about sports, but it it just makes conversation so hard. Right. I mean, in any, I mean, like, look at tennis. Yeah, you could get Roger Federer to Jimmy Connors, and it's like Federer would would win six six love, six love, six love, no problem. Yeah. Absolutely, like, dude. The dude has one hundred and thirty eight mile an hour serves. Like that didn't exist in the seventies. They were playing with wooden rackets. Okay, <laughs> like. Like or or like Serena and went with the women's tennis. It's like, well, Serena Williams versus Martina Navratilova. It's like Serena Williams would destroy her. Yeah, it wouldn't even be close. like it's not even close. Well, how about Steffi Groff? Destroy her too. Yeah, like dude, Serena has a has a no women served more than a hundred and like maybe a hundred four or something back then, and she's serving a hundred and twenty five. Like, there's no this. Serena like I don't know why there's an argument. That's the reason why I say controversial because I don't just I don't think there's an argument. No, it's like for, it's it's just biology. Yeah, Serena Williams, if put into a men's league, 
30 years ago would be undefeated. Undefeated. So there wouldn't, there wouldn't be anybody who could touch her. Right. Oh, okay. So that, that was a fun show. Right? Yeah, we, we got a little nostalgic. Yeah. It's good. So currently, currently uh, you have 105 votes. DeMarcus Cousins still is in the lead. Who's the 10% of people that think Blake Griffin is the youngest? <laughs> I still think more people put in Ibaka, which I would have easily said that Ibaka... I, if you would have asked me before that, I would have said he's 37 years old. Well, if you would have asked us beforehand, we would have said Andre Drummond's 34. So no, I thought no, Andre Drummond, I, I, I would have believed 32. If you would have told me he's 32, I'd be like, okay. Yeah, sure. I said 32. But I mean, I, I saw that for Whiteside. When Whiteside was 32, I'm like, I thought he was only like 28. Yeah. Switch, switch them. I, I am seeing now with 114, Andre Drummond has taken the lead to 39. People are, it up. People are cheating. People are cheating. People are cheating. <laughs> uh, so uh, people go to paydirtdfs.com to get your age model. It's all adjusted for age, right? Yeah, it, it is all adjusted for age, yep. Um, paydirtdfs.com. Please note that paydirt.ghost.io is no longer active. So if you have been going to that site, please go over to paydirtdfs.com. Had, uh, had some concerns about that, that I rugged the community by removing the site. I did not rug the community. Um, paydirtdfs.com. You can find me at uh, paydirt underscore DFS on Twitter. And uh, hopefully you can find the MLB models as soon as baseball gets started up. I, I will have like USFL. Something like if they don't come up with an agreement today that the regular season is is, is in jeopardy. 162 games. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully they come up with something today. I, I actually, I don't know. I kind of hope that they don't because I don't want the players to get screwed. And the only way that they can come to an agreement today is if the players get screwed. So I, I hope the players are like, okay, well, it's not going to be a full season, but we're not going to do expanded playoffs either. So take a pick. That's, that's the only leverage they have. If you want to learn about leverage and correlation and projections, you could always get the theory of daily fantasy sports. It's a 15 hour audio DFS masterclass. Me and James teach you how to think like a professional DFS player. So go to theoryofdfs.com. Pick that up. Follow James, Pater underscore DFS. Follow me on Twitter at LenderHD. We got Grinders Live later today. So I had to go over tonight's uh, seven game slate. So tune in later, crunch time for premium members. Hit the thumbs up button on your way out the door. Hit the notification bell to know when we go live. And I will see you tomorrow answering your DFS strategy questions as always on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com. <laughs>